0: I'm going to read something out while, um, while these folks are enjoying God. I, we've just been singing things like, um, heaven come down and spirit break out. And, uh, I just want to, I want to read something to you that's basically the, uh, first-hand stories from a place called Azusa Street, um, just over hundred years ago. And, uh, so there's a couple of books I often read and reread about this. Is, it says, True, This one, True Stories of the Miracles of Azusa Street and Beyond. And uh, so this is about the story of a, a, a guy called Christopher. It says, Christopher loved the music at Azusa and confirmed that the experience of singing in the spirit was unequaled by anything he had ever experienced in his musical career. An accomplished concert violinist, equal by few, he would share with me, that's the guy who wrote the book, that when he played in the Spirit, he played at a level he'd never achieved, even in his greatest concert. He, too, said that he would just watch his hands moving while hearing thousands of violins. Brother Christopher also talked about the Shekinah glory. And at Azusa Street, they basically had the manifestation of the glory of God in this warehouse for about three and a half years. Um, It was like a a sort of a purple haze glow that, that actually just... Rested in this building, um, sometimes so thick that the children could play hide and seek in it. Okay, so, so sometimes we think we're, we're experiencing some, some great stuff. I'll tell you that there's a whole lot more. And if you read the Bible, when it says, when the glory of God came down into, the, into his temple, people were overwhelmed and unable to do, do stuff. So it's a very real thing. And obviously, if you read the stories of, of Exodus, you know, the, the Israelites throughout Exodus were accompanied by a cloud. Uh, uh, That was either a fire, fire by night and a cloud by day. Um, So so this is not, we're not talking to you about anything new or strange. But we think it's maybe new or strange. It's not new or strange. This is God's, how he's manifested himself for many years. So so this guy said, he he talked about the Shekinah Glory and told me that he even tried to bottle it. (laughs) To his disappointment, there was nothing in the bottle the next day. Now, that's 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 not an uncommon thing. Do you know why that's important? Because you you can't bottle God. You can't capture Him. Um, There's a lot of we often have a lot of sparkly stuff around here, which is a manifestation of God's presence, and it comes and goes. Um, One time in day school, it was completely all over this lectern. Was that your year, Steph? was, wasn't it? This this lectern was just filled with sparkly stuff. And um and when you wiped it it went on your hands, and as soon as you wiped it it just replenished itself. And it just kept it kept on it was there for hours, wasn't it? it? just kept and everybody was having playing with it and um and Irene who uh, was administering the School. also my PA. At the end of the day, I said, "Have you seen the lectern yet?" And she said, "No." So, I, so I brought it back up into the auditorium up here. And now, this 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 shiny stuff had been on literally every surface. It was there wasn't one surface it wasn't covering. When we came back up, it was about 4:30 in the afternoon. There wasn't one speck to be found on, a, it, which is even more amazing because people say, "Well." And I just, anyway, so so that's the stuff. So, So they experienced that. The brother Christopher was an observer. Because of his shyness, now some of you might be able to equate to this, okay? Because of his shyness, he didn't go out into the crowd. People seeking healing came up to him while he was on the platform. Christopher remarked that people must have thought he was someone important because he sat on the platform. I asked brother Christopher, did anything happen to the people you prayed for? He would quietly say with a smile, oh yes, brother Tommy, oh yes. He fondly told me about praying for a blind man whose wife had brought him to Azusa. The wife led her husband by his right hand while he held his white cane with a red tip in his other hand. She brought the man up to Christopher and said, my husband is blind, heal him. Christopher said quietly, I can't heal him, but I can pray for him and Jesus will heal him. She said somewhat demandingly, okay, do it. Brother Christopher humbly and obediently prayed for the man and he was instantly healed. I asked, didn't that excite you and make you want to do more? Christopher replied, why? Yes, I wish more would have come to me. Brother Christopher told of a young man who had burned his arm at work. The arm was badly infected and green with gangrene. So probably smelly as well. It was so bad that Brother Christopher said that his arm should have been amputated. Christopher prayed for him and told him to go home and clean the wound and then bandage it. The man went home, cleaned and bandaged the burn and came back the next night completely healed. (laughs) Christopher was impressed with the man's willingness to be obedient to God's guidance and do what he was instructed to do. The following evening, when the healed man returned, Brother Christopher rejoiced with him as they celebrated the awesome miracle from God. One night, parents of a teenage boy were half carrying him up to Brother Christopher. The boy had suffered a brain hemorrhage. I don't know if it was from an accident or what, but he had been this way for four or five years. Pitifully, they asked Brother Christopher, will God heal him? Yes, Brother Christopher answered and then asked, do I have your permission? He was a sweet little guy. The parents said yes, and he said, bring him to me. He started talking to this teen, and the parents told him that the boy didn't know what he was saying. This is is quite interesting. Surprisingly firm, Brother Christopher said, leave me alone. Do you want him to be healed? Then leave me alone. (laughs) You don't need a lot of explanation and unbelief alongside you. He explained he was talking to the boy, but he also wanted the devil to hear what he had to say. I don't care what anyone says, you're going to be delivered. That's how they talked to Azusa, completely confident in God. Brother Christopher said he got all bubbly and happy. You're going to be normal, and you're going to be used of God. Satan did this to you, but Satan is a liar. He's really nothing. Brother Christopher kept preaching because he wanted the devil to take note. Finally, he said, now I'm going to lay hands on you and take authority over this, and you're going to be delivered. Brother Christopher reached out and put his hands on the boy's head pushed tightly and began to rebuke the damage the devil had done. He rebuked the hemorrhage and commanded all blood clots, everything to clear up. He demanded, not tomorrow, I want it done now in Jesus' name. The boy jerked and fell down off the platform onto the ground, kicking and jerking. Brother Christopher stood at the edge of the platform and looked at the parents who were upset. If you're in fear, go away, he told them. (laughs) This is a shy guy. Why does he say that? Because fear doesn't come from heaven. Fear doesn't help us. If you're in fear, go away, you told them. They said that they were okay. He assured them, just don't worry. There's a, a good message. Just don't worry. Finally, the boy stopped jerking and kicking, and Brother Christopher commanded, now get up. The boy looked up at him and started trying to get up. He didn't remember how. Help him and walk him, because the child doesn't know how to walk. He'll learn quickly, just help him. Within 10 minutes, the boy was running, leaping, jumping, worshipping, and praising God. Forever changed, the boy went into the ministry when he became an adult. Now, this is this is the bit I like. <laughs> I've got so many good stories in this one. Christopher only performed a few miracles because of his shyness. <laughs> this is bit. Say, four or five a week. <laughs> four or five a week compared to that... To that many every day by some other people. Four or five a week. That's not many. However, there were mighty works of God, and they bore witness if you were at Zusa Street and your heart was right, God found a way to involve you in his miraculous works. Does God want to involve you in his miraculous works? Do you want to be involved? Good. Well, you qualify as long as you're born again. If you're not born again, we can talk to you about that later and introduce you to Jesus, who's the most amazing person. And why wouldn't you want to know him and live your life with him and for him? And uh, I was born again when I was 16, and uh, these many years on, I'm still enjoying the journey ever more, ever more, and ever more. So, and. Uh, but if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And Jesus said this, anyone who has faith in me will do the works I've been doing and greater works than these. That's a promise. So if you're born again, this is Jesus' words. So you've got faith in him. He's called you to do the same works as he did and even greater works. Isn't that amazing? All you need is faith in him. That's, that's why the, this guy, Christopher, he, he was combating anything that, that was coming against faith. Fear. Doubt, all that sort of stuff. He he was just saying, push, push, pushed away. Because he was, he was aware, so aware (coughs) of things that would actually cut across faith to reduce the outpouring of the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense to you? And uh, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, I've been doing a, a series, so this is. This is surprisingly number four. So, well, it was going to be number three, but it's now number four because I did number three this morning as a surprise. Um, and basically, I've been talking about uh, equality and difference, um, and the importance of that. And I, I won't go over it all. But um, what I suggest, if you've not listened to them, then you get them on our website. Um, and they're, they're a series that I've been leading towards, where I believe every 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 person who is born again is equal in the eyes of God. We have the same value, and we have the same position in Christ, which we're all seated with him in heavenly places, and we have the same potential to fulfill the calling that he's placed on our lives. Every one of us has the potential to be the releases of, of, of heaven on earth. And alongside that, we're all different, because we've got different callings, different giftings, and we, we make up a different part of the body of Christ. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Every one of us is different. Um, and it's really important we learn how to uh, celebrate the differences and also celebrate our own uniqueness. And I was talking about this morning that God talks about, uh, well, it says in the Bible that, that God um, is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. Um, verses in timothy somewhere i think Um, i think it's yeah it's in timothy um and he says he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself okay so the essence of being faithful is actually being true to who you are true to who you've been made to be um and you've been made in his image to be like him and you've been made to do his works and they were Predestined before the foundation of the world. It's not. It's, he's not making it up on the hoof, as I had to work a little bit today and this morning. And, let's see how get a sermon out. It was fun though. I had a good time. Um, uh, uh, it says that, that God predestined works for you to walk in, so they're already there. <coughs> and um, <coughs> and each one of us has a unique, specific calling, and upon that that specific calling, will rest grace, favour and power and anointing okay Um, now when you put all that together we become a really really powerful body but as it says in 1 Corinthians 12 um, if if you're an eye don't don't try to be an ear it's silly you know and one of the the problems we have that robs us of being able to release more and more of heaven on earth is is that is comparison of ourselves with other people in, in a way that, that leads us to, to feel um, inadequate, insignificant, or even jealous. Okay? So those are the sorts of things I've been, I've been talking about. Um, and because <clears throat> I wanted to I've I don't know if you've seen the title for tonight, it should have been up, I think it went on the website, is Why God Doesn't Answer Prayer. Okay, (laughs) so so I thought, oh, that's got you going quiet. He thought, well, I thought thought we came here because he did. Um, He does answer prayer, but do you know that the Bible gives lots of reasons why he doesn't. What gets in the way of us releasing heaven on earth? And that's really what I want to tackle, because I believe it's really important. Because I can just read out something like Azusa Street, that story. How many of you would like to experience stuff like that? Only four or five miracles like that a week. I'd be happy. Four or five a day, even happier. Are there any reasons why we're not experiencing that? I'd like to suggest that there are. And, I, <clears throat> we, we, and we sometimes think about you know, revival. You know, and we ask God to bring revival. Um, and God does move in extraordinary ways. But I've, I've got, got to a place where I decide I, I don't want to ask God to bring revival. I decide I'm going to be it. I'm going to get on with doing what he's, he's already set out for me to do, um, and I think that's one of the one of the things is that one of the things that will stop us. Um, actually, this one's not in the notes. I ought to put it in the notes. It's good. Um, if if we have an, a belief in the sovereignty of God without our own responsibility, it can mean that we re, we get passive in our Christianity. Um, God is sovereign, but actually, He's called us to be involved in His purposes. Um, so if I were to ask you a question um, if you come across somebody who's oppressed by a, by a demon whose responsibility is it to deal with it who's going who's to who's get rid of a demon is God going to do it yes, no I'm not quite sure how to answer this because I know it's a tricky question the answer is, the answer is probably no He'll do it through you. And his power in you is what makes it happen. But rarely do I see it happen without an intervention. No, Not that God can't do it and he won't do it. I've seen him do it. Do you see what I mean? But, but pretty much all the time I've, I've seen people getting set free from, from demons, there's been some human intervention in it. Um, so if somebody comes to me and I believe that, no, no, I don't believe in demon possession. I don't think they have that power but I believe everybody can be affected by demons if we give them the opportunity to affect us. And sometimes that can affect us so badly that we need actually help to to get rid of that impact upon our lives. Um, So if I see see, see, see someone or somebody talks to me about it, and I know that's true, then I take responsibility to deal with that. Because I've been given authority, and that's a responsibility. Okay? So 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 I want to talk to you tonight about things that would... Get in the way. Um, and uh, I haven't given Jeremy the, um, the scriptures. Can you get up? We should start to get 2 Peter 1, verses 3 down to 11. Um, just as I, before that one, Ephesians chapter 4, it's the verse in that says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. What, what does it mean to, to live a life that's worthy of the calling you have received? If you've received a calling to release heaven on earth, then... Basically, you're meant to live up to that standard. Uh, The the, the ultimate goal of Christianity is is, is not to be sin-free. You've already got that when you're born again. That's done. Okay. Uh, Avoiding temptation is smart. Uh, The the aim of Christianity is to release heaven on earth. It's to be like Jesus. And Jesus wasn't trying to get rid of his sin. He didn't have any. So being like him is not, is not just getting rid of sin. He, no, Jesus never had any sin. He just carried ours for us and got rid of it, which is really good news. <clears throat> our responsibility, our calling, is to, is to be like him and release heaven on earth. And 2 Peter 1 says this. Okay, This is a beautiful passage of scripture, which I finished on this morning, just, just about squeezed it out. Um, and uh, I want you to read this with me and just take some of it in, because it is quite staggering what it says. So his divine power has given us everything we need, for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. So what, what, what haven't you got? Pretty much nothing. <laughs> he's, he's given us everything we need. For a godly life through our knowledge of him. And ha- this is how he called us. See your calling carries glory and goodness. You have a glorious calling as a Christian. And glory and goodness go together. Remember when Moses asked uh, God to show him his glory? He said, I'll let you see all oh, my goodness. All oh, my goodness will pass in front of you. So, so God has called you, <clears throat> he's called us, that through these he's given us his very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Oh. Isn't that amazing? So what do you come to participate in? The divine nature. Now, hear me right. Uh, we don't become God, he's God, I'm not, you're not, but we are like him. And we get to participate in his divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. That, um, so here's another question I throw out, and, and if you've done the school you probably know the answer to, or the answer I'm thinking of for this. So is God supernatural? Is God supernatural? Well, my answer is no. He's just natural. God, God just does what's natural to him. He doesn't try. Did Jesus try to heal the sick? He didn't try to heal the sick, he just did it. So when the lady with, you know been bleeding for 12 years came and touched him, she said, if I can touch him, I'll get healed. He didn't even know she was there. He didn't try to heal the sick. He went out, but he didn't try to heal. He just did. Why? Because it's his nature. So what is natural to somebody is the outworking of their nature. That's, how, that's what it means. Now, it's supernatural to us because we, we think of ourselves as you know, limited human reality. So in a, if we're a limited human reality, then that is supernatural. Yeah? Which it is. Super means above our normal. Above our normal. But if we participate in his divine nature, what becomes our normal? His normal. So 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 that's why his works become our normal. You don't have to be a Christian superstar to do these things, is what I'm telling you. His natural becomes our natural. Now... I understand. In that sense, it is supernatural, just from a human perspective. But God doesn't try to be supernatural; He's just Himself. Like I said, he, he can't deny who He is. So another question is: Why does God love you? Because He can't deny Himself, and He is love. So if you ever, if you ever, if you have ever, any thinking or doubt about doubt about whether God loves you, just have a quick slap of the head and you know, shake, shake off shake off the stupid idea because it's got nothing to do with you. He loves you because he is love. Not because you're worthy, unworthy, this, that, and the other. He, he, he has chosen to be true to his nature. He loves you because he is love. And that's why I'm so secure in that. I know he loves me, and it's got nothing to do with me. It's got all to do with him. Yeah. That's his nature. Now, if you understand that, if you participate in his divine nature, it helps you understand how you can love your enemies. Because Jesus told you to love them. <laughs> said, oh, that's a bit unreasonable, if you don't mind. You know, the people, that person was nasty to me. I was really unkind. And, yeah, I understand that. Jesus Jesus went to the cross. It was, he probably did a bigger thing. L- love is our in our nature. Now, So, right, there we go. For this very reason, okay, having got that, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection, next page, it should say love. There we go. Now... So what that's saying, you, now, I, I will go through this in, in greater measure, Just cause I want to, is, is that we're born again by grace. Anything we get f- from God is by grace, not because we've earned it. Yeah, We can't deserve our way into it. And, and so all your calling and your gifting and your anointing comes because of God's grace, because of his love and his kindness, which is unconditional to every one of us on planet Earth. So, so oh, but what this says is make every effort. Yeah. Because we're not meant to be passive. So that the response to God's grace is not, oh, well, it doesn't matter then. I don't have to do anything. No, that's that's completely wrong. Basically what it says, this is so good, this is so amazing, now get going. Work work at this and make every effort. Because then it goes on to say that. So go, go across again to the next, next page. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, So would you like to be kept from being ineffective and unproductive? So what do you need to do? Put the effort in. Add things. Yeah, The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. It's not just have a look, casual look around for it. It's actually desperately, desperately move for it. You know, <coughs> Search for him. Pursue him. It says, whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Basically, it's easy if you've been a Christian for a length of time to sometimes sometimes forget how amazing it is to be born again. I've been a Christian for a long, long time, more than 40 years now. And it's easy, I'm not saying I slip into this, I try and keep myself but it's easy just to slip into this, oh yeah, pretty familiar yeah, and uh yeah. God, God was kind of lucky when he got me. Yeah, good pick, God. Good pick. Well done. <laughs> I don't like the because uh, I, I thought actually I because I was I was talking to somebody the other day. Do you know it's ever so easy to compare yourself with with others in in terms of your your Christianity? Now, was, who was I talking with this week? I think it was a year one student in 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 day school, and um, so let me ask you a question: How dead were you in sin before Jesus found you? It's not a comparative statement, is it? Really? Just you? That's <laughs> Well, I was I was I was a little bit dead, so I was not quite as dead as that person. I was a bit better than that once. You know I, I really, you know, I wasn't really that bad. I hadn't beaten up granny, hadn't knifed anybody, hadn't, you know. So I really wasn't that bad before I became a Christian. No, you weren't that bad, you were just dead. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of us is dead in sin, and now what are you? I'm oh, like, that is amazing. you ever seen anybody raised from the dead? Yeah, you have. You. Yeah, people say, i love to see that. You you, you yourself... uh, Sorry, I can can go on I've seen two people raised from dead in front of my eyes, and I know a third one, actually, that was was nearby, and I believe others through my medical career. Um, And that's physically raised from dead. They will die again at some stage, physically. Every one of us who is born again has something even greater than that because you've been raised to a life that will never... Sees. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, say, what well, would love to see somebody born and get, uh, raised from the dead. You have. It's you. Look at yourself in the mirror every morning. Say, wow, dead, alive. Amazing. <laughs> so if you hold on to that stuff, don't forget what has happened to you. That's what I said. Don't forget that what you getting cleansed from your sins was simply extraordinary. Not just a little bit of forgiveness. Not kind of letting you off the hook. It was actually raising you from death, not just to a new physical life, but to an eternal life. That's amazing. I get happy when I talk about these things. Eh? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So what it's saying that is, is make every effort to work out your calling. Not, not to say, try and find it, confirm it as if, oh, that's what I am. Um, and you, you, you have a specific calling and destiny. An election. Election means what God has elected for you to do. And what this is saying is, is, is work it out. So what I want to try and do is, is give you things that could get in your way of working it out. Would that, would that be helpful? Now, I'm going to do that for however long I've got tonight, and I'm going to carry on next Sunday evening. It's going to take a while. So this is, this is definitely going to go into next Sunday evening. Who knows how far it's going to stretch? Because it's, I've got at least 13 uh, headings <laughs> on, my, on my list, okay? So why God, why God doesn't answer prayer. And well, wow, didn't know there were that many. Okay, <coughs> so I'm going to f- I'm going to flip through to one actually. Um, can we bring up uh, James chapter one, Jeremy, please, verses two down to seven. James chapter one, verses two to seven. Somebody's still got one of those proper Bibles that's got pages in it, will not I? Okay, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many people are good at that? Pure joy. Woo, joy, joy, joy. Tries. Now, because you know that, and you know this, don't you? You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. is that wonderful? Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It... Do you know why God tests your faith? Because He wants it to grow, and He wants it to be genuine. He wants it because actually, it's faith actually in Him that releases the life that He wants to give us and life into planet Earth. So, our faith will be tested because He wants it to grow. He wants it to be genuine, and He also wants us to learn perseverance. Now, that's a big deal. We live in a very instant world, don't we? And we've got to be careful that, that, that Christianity doesn't just uh, um, become something that's just instant appeal. <clears throat> I like seeing instant. Instant appeals to me. But there are things I have to work out through perseverance. And the Bible says, let perseverance finish its work. So that what? You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. (laughs) It's all happy news, this (laughs) sermon. Then he goes, now, for if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, this is an example, okay, of something you lack. So I believe this applies to wisdom. I also believe it applies to anything else you're lacking. I think this is, you know, if, if you lack in. Not lacking anything. So this is an example. If you lack wisdom, what should you do? Ask God. What will God do? Give generously to all without finding fault. So basically, the basis on which God will give it to you is not whether you're at fault or not, but because he loves you and he's generous. Okay? He gives it to you on the basis of grace and generosity, not performance. God does not reward your performance. Now, this is, what, this is why this gets a bit complicated. Because we well, I thought you just told me to make every effort. Yes, I am telling you to make every effort. But I'm telling you to make every effort, understanding it all comes by grace. You'll have to work at it, because it, it's, it's quite... Grace doesn't mean to say passivity. Grace actually pulls us into activity. So, but it <clears throat> goes on to say something that's really interesting. Okay, so... Um, So if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Whoo! Yes? whoopie dee doo So it's been given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Does that contrast with what you just read? It does. because it says, and he will give it to you, and it says you won't receive it. So how do we explain that? Would you like me to do my best for you? Okay, so when it says... If, you, if you, you follow this through, it is quite logical, okay? And it makes sense. So when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. What what shouldn't you doubt? Yeah, you don't... It, see, it follows the verse before. So actually, what you meant to doubt is that God will give it not doubt that God will give generously to you without finding fault. The biggest doubt that I find Christians make is they believe they have to work for it. So they believe it's, they'll get it by grace, but then they think, ooh, but if I perform, I'm more likely to get it. If I, if I, ooh, if I have my quiet time today, read, I'm going to read 10 chapters of the Bible, more than my normal three, and that means that God will give it to me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> once, once you start to, 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 to contaminate the grace of God with your works performing to try and gain something from God, you become this, uh, can you just go on to the next verse, Jeremy? Verse eight. If that's possible. It will come. It talks about that person being, uh, double minded. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, it's this double-mindedness that's the problem. Because if you go from, I'm, I'm going to receive it because God's generous and he loves me. It's unconditional to, oh, but I better make sure I keep in his good books. And then actually you, you flip-flap around from one to the other. And it talks about tossing, then you, get, you become unstable. And what it, what it doesn't say is that God won't give it to you. What does it say? Is that you won't receive it. (laughs) That's an important distinction. The problem's not that God hasn't given it, it's the problem that you haven't received it. Because the place where you will receive it is actually here in the place of grace. This is is how it operates. Faith working through grace. It says that time and time, again: faith working through grace. So once you put yourself over here, through works you're in the wrong place to receive. Not that God hasn't given. Ask and you will receive. Simple, ask and you will receive. But you need to ask, understanding it's given to you on the basis of grace. Work for it, work and you won't receive. So there you are, there's an example where it says actually... Your prayers won't be up. Not, that, and it's slightly wrong in my. I know I'm drawing you in with the title. It's not that God doesn't answer your prayer. It's just that you don't get in a place to receive the answers. Okay. How about this one? Can we bring up Galatians chapter five, verses 19 to 26? Uh, Might not need all of those, but. So the acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I did explain this in one of the sermons. Uh, I think it was the first Sunday. That might be the second one, but. Um, What it talks about there is is that if you live in a certain way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? It it doesn't mean you're not born again. If you're born again, you're born again, and your your salvation is assured forevermore. Because if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, He is your seal that guarantees that you have you will be with Him forevermore. You have eternal life. All right. If anybody tries to tell you that you, you you know you can lose your salvation, don't believe them. You can't. Okay? But what you can n- not do is actually take hold of the inheritance. Okay, Because actually, basically, when you're born again, it says actually you, 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 become, inherit, you become inheritors. You, you inherit something. You inherit the kingdom of heaven. So, it's, again, it talks about we, we've got the spirit of adoption and with that comes an inheritance. Um, and basically what it's saying is that, that actually there are things that can stop you Living in the good of the fullness of the inheritance that God has for you, and I don't believe that actually He releases it to us all at once. I've got biblical references that, that would line up if you need them, but, but so because if He released it all at once, we would actually be seeing Azusa Street and more. What would what would heaven on earth literally look like? Mind blank. If God's eternal and infinite and you're going to be discovering him through all eternity, then actually I think if he came right now in all that fullness, we wouldn't be able to contain it. And also, this is this is this is a very important biblical principle that if you're faithful with a little, he will give you more. So my question is is how much of the kingdom of heaven can be entrusted to you? It's a big question. God wants to entrust it all to you. But in order to do that, you need to be mature. Because <clears throat> these things are basically darkness. What we just talked about there? Darkness. It's interesting how selfish ambition gets in there. You think, Ooh, that's, a bit... that's rough to put that in there. That that should... That's one of those lesser ones. No, that's, that comes in a category of dead. It produces darkness and death. Selfish ambition can be deadly, literally, to releasing the kingdom. And it's really easy to, to slip into it. And probably next week I'll... I'll tell you a story that really literally changed my life on the base of that, where I got taken out by selfish ambition. It's not an easy story to tell, but I'll tell you that probably next week. <coughs> if your eye is full of darkness, your whole body is full of darkness. If your eye is full of light, your whole body is full of light. So imagine this is light. It's because it goes on then to talk about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no norm. It says actually nothing can hold those back. So would you like your, lo- your life to be full of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, releasing light and life to all the world around you? That's light. If your ho- eyes is full of light, then your whole body will be full of light. That's the kingdom of heaven being released through you. What happens if your eye is full of, if you've got all this other stuff going on? Then what you'll release around you is darkness, which is not heaven. It is quite straightforward, isn't it? It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not really what I would call rocket science. So it does, it does depend upon you to some degree. Now, God will get it done... How are you going to fulfill your calling and destiny? well, it doesn't matter how you live i want i 'm talking about this personally. I want more of the kingdom of heaven to be released through my life and the Bible does say pay pay attention to your life, make every effort to add these things in and yeah, that's what I've been trying to do for the last 40 years. I'm glad I'm seeing more of the kingdom released. There's another, there's a, another verse in Hebrews 6 verse 12. Okay. So Hebrews 6 verse 12. Let's bring this up. It's in the same sort of one. Working hard at the back there, Jeremy. Thank you. Okay. Look at this. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised through faith and patience patience, perseverance and um, I think one of the things I've been thinking about quite a lot over the last few months actually is is understanding what I call the delays of God (laughs) and the Probably the passage in the Bible that helps me understand that the most is the one in in Daniel chapter 7 where it talks about um, Daniel has a vision, angel comes to to, to visit him and actually he talks about how uh, Daniel's prayers were heard on the first day. Literally it says on the first day you were heard but the angel who was sent in response to his prayers, you see the angel was sent in response to his prayers was delayed for 21 days in spiritual warfare. Yeah? It's there, it's quite clearly in Daniel chapter 7. So, 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 and I still, I still don't understand how angels and demons get delayed. I don't understand where the crossover of time begins between eternity and earth. I, you know, but but is the way they describe it. That somehow an angel got stuck in a battle for 21 days before he could deliver the answer to Daniel's prayer. So when are your prayers heard? First day. When are they answered? Well, in one sense, first day. How long does the answer take to come through? Sometimes longer. Now, what would happen? This is, what would happen if you put yourself here in the, in, the, in the place of grace, first day when you're praying? Battle's going on, and you manage to remove yourself to the place of work and darkness. Is it possible you might miss the answer? I would suggest it is. Do you know where the best place to live? Here, in the light. Not here at Eastgate, in the building. I know it's nice, but I I do like going home. (laughs) I I try and teach, and I particularly do this on school, but I want to teach you, live in the light, live in the spirit. Because this is the way, this is where you can release the kingdom of heaven. And it's, it's got grace in it. And here I work with everything that's within me and push because I want to see the kingdom of heaven released on earth. And patience is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if I've ever told you. I, early on in my Christian life, I decided I needed to be more patient. So I asked to be more patient. That was a bad prayer. <laughs> Silly, well, silly prayer, but God answered that one really quickly. I think, I think he realized that I might be impatient. I might disappear too. So he, he got on that case really fast. And I had the, the next two weeks, I had all sorts of things happen in my life, which I thought, ha- what has happened to my life? It's crazy what's happened to my life. And uh, I, I had plenty of patience practice in those two weeks i really did it, it was, I, thought, I thought okay god is, is there any chance of taking that prayer back because I, I would i'm certainly not praying it again I, 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 it was a it was it was it was a tough old tough gig and so I, I, I thought i tell you what from now i'm not going to ask for it i'm just going to try and let it grow because it's a fruit so i'm not bothered. i'm not asking for it anymore i'm just going <laughs> to i'm going to trust it's going to grow because that's a much less painful process and um so hopefully that has been true um I want to give you one more, okay, and then we'll finish for tonight, okay. Um, it's 1 Peter 3, verse 7. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is an interesting one. So, it does say husbands. I think we can apply it to all, okay? Um, otherwise, it's not fair, is it really? Husbands, <laughs> in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, we have to understand, physically, yes. But they are, you know, it's true. A female human being is less physically strong, broadly speaking, than the male. It's true. It's not, that's not derogatory, by the way, that's just, it's a reality. Which is the reason why men have been able to dominate females throughout history. Which is not good. Yeah? Broadly speaking, it's true. So. What it says is be considerate, treat them with respect as a weak partner and as heirs with you. So basically, exactly the same co heirs of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So the way you interact with other people is kind of important. So love and kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control, all live here in the light. Hatred, discord, jealousy, factions, selfish ambition over here in the dark. If I treat my wife with that sort of stuff, then I'm not in a place where my I will receive what God's giving to me. If I live in the light, then I will be in the place where God wants to release heaven to me. one, done. I've got ten parts left for next week, so I doubt if I'm going to make it. So he's going to keep, keep on rolling this story. So my, my desire for you is that you will personally experience more of heaven and personally release more of heaven on earth. Wouldn't it be lovely within the few years we got to a stage where we were seeing the four or five miracles like that per week, as, as the sort of something, thing. oh, I'm not quite, four or five a day would be good, but I'm, I'm one of the shy ones. There's more. And uh, hear, hear this, there, there is no condemnation in this of where you're currently at, okay? I don't want anybody to go away feeling inadequate, condemned or no good, That's not. that's, that's dark, okay? That's darkness. Okay, so please don't hear me wrong. I'm not judging you, condemning you, any of you where you're at. What I am doing is encouraging you to live here in the light and put every effort to make sure you stay here because that is not only good for your life, but good for the world around you. Okay? Over to you.